All right. Look at what it says in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. It says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Notice that phrase there, the fellowship of His sufferings. The title of my message tonight is choosing the fellowship of His sufferings. And what's interesting, this I think this message is very applicable to uh, certain events I had this prepared at the beginning of the week, and uh, I was just gonna. I was I had my sermons all ready to go since I was going to be gone, and then it's kind of the week went on. I was like, I'm really excited about the message that the Lord already gave me uh, for Sunday night because I I do think it's just kind of fitting based on certain things. But look what it says in First Peter chapter four. Turn over to there. So choosing the fellowship of His sufferings. What does that mean to fellowship in someone's sufferings? I think it means to participate. And their sufferings. To go through the same thing that they went through. Jesus Christ, when He was on earth, we know He was despised and rejected of men. A man acquainted with griefs. We know that He was um, you know, put on the cross. He was hated. He was crucified. We know that about Jesus Christ. And we want to know Him. And you know, those of us who really want to know Him, we don't have a problem with fellowshipping with His sufferings. But I'm going to show you in this message that when it comes to the fellowship of His sufferings, that this is a choice. If you want, as a believer, you can get out of the fellowship of His sufferings. You can get out of it. But I'm here today to tell you, I don't think you should get out of it. I don't think you ought to. All right, Many people today in the IFB, they have decided to exempt themselves from the fellowship of His sufferings. Thankfully, as believers, you know, when you get saved, you're saved forever. You can get saved and you don't have to serve God. You can get saved and you can go and you can pretend to serve God. You can have your little community club, you know, country club church. You can have your feel good sessions. And if you're saved, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're going to heaven. Whether you're like Him or not. Whether you participate in the fellowship of His sufferings or not, you can still go to heaven. But folks, I don't want to be a church that's just doing what we got to do to get into heaven. I want to know Him. I want to get to know God better. I want to be more like Him. And if I'm going to do that, it's going to help if I fellowship in His sufferings. And I think we ought to do that. We see a theme throughout the New Testament and throughout the entire Bible of believers, God's people, all the greats, suffering. Look what it says in 1 Peter 4.12. We could read verse after verse from the book of 1 Peter about suffering. But let me just start in 1 Peter 4.12. verse 12. It says, Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. I'm sick of Christians who have this attitude whenever something bad's going on in their life. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You know, I don't know why I'm being persecuted. I put my tithe in the offering. You know, I got saved. I got baptized. I'm being obedient. I'm being obedient to the Lord. Why am I suffering as a Christian? Okay. Well. If we're reading the Bible, if we're like Christ, yea, and all that will live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And it's like people aren't being taught this. You know, they're just being taught sunshine and roses and imminent rapture, no tribulation. And so that's the attitude they have. They think something's wrong when they go through a difficult time. They're like, I thought we've not been appointed unto wrath. Okay, that, you know, that's their that's their attitude. You know, they think that tribulation is the wrath of God, and it's not, folks. Tribulation is not the wrath of God. Tribulation is a part of what we deal with on this earth. That's the fellowship of His sufferings. Jesus went through tribulation. 
on this earth. God's people throughout history have gone through tribulation, yet modern day Christians today, they think they're exempt from it. They've just decided to call it the wrath of God, even though it's not, and then just say we've not been appointed under wrath, meaning tribulation in their world. That's just wrong. But we shouldn't think it's strange when we're going through something. But the Bible says, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That's that fellowship of His sufferings. That when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. All right? Now, if you're not real spiritual, you might not like it right now. And you know what? That's fine as long as you do it. Okay? I don't really think care if you don't like it as long as you do it. Because I can promise you this, you'll be glad you did it. You'll always be glad you fellowship with the sufferings. It says, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. You know, these people tell us, we're, you're running the name of Christ through the mud. No, they're running the name of Christ through the mud. These just limp-wristed, spineless Baptists are running the name of Christ through the mud. The trendies that the whole world loves, they are running the name of Christ through the mud. We, on the other hand, myself, the you know, Bible says His, His name is being glorified through what we do. When we participate, when we partake of His sufferings, He's being glorified. That's what the Bible says. Okay, I don't care what the world says. But here's, you know, there's other ways we can suffer. And it says here, "...but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, <clears throat> where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit their keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator." So right there is just another sample. And we could go on and on and on with verses about suffering as a Christian. It's a good thing. We ought to praise the Lord. We ought to leap for joy when we're persecuted, when we're reviled. These things ought to excite us according to the Word of God. But yet many Christians today, they've just decided, you know what? I don't want, to, I don't want any part of that. And they have exempted themselves for it, from it. And folks, these people are still saved. all right? But they are wrong for doing that. Okay? The old IFB is wrong for exempting themselves from the fellowship of his sufferings. Their Fox News Baptist mentality of just standing strong on Republican talking points when they know Fox News has got their back, that is not them taking strong stance. Okay? Them being doing all their little community things to be loved by the community, these are not strong stands. This is them exempting themselves from the fellowship of his sufferings. They don't want it and I'm here today to tell you they're missing out. They're the ones that are missing out. But a very common theme that we see throughout the Bible is the theme of suffering. Nearly all the great stories of great men in the Bible involve suffering. And we love reading those stories in the Old Testament. We love reading about the great trials and the tests that the greats face. We love reading about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We like seeing them stand alone. We love the way they face the king. And they told him off. We love watching John the Baptist tell off Herod. Tell him it is not lawful that you to have thy brother's wife. We love that. But you know, not all of those stories in the Bible had a happy ending. In fact, many of these people didn't even get a story at all. 
So some of the stories aren't glorious. Okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, glorious. They got to go through the fiery furnace and came out. I mean, not even a hair of their head was singed. Okay, Daniel thrown into a lion's den. The lions didn't touch him. That's a pretty awesome story, right? But do they always end that way? How about James, the brother of John? In Acts chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now about that time Herod the, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. How, how's that a great story right there? Do you see? We don't even know what all went on. It's not like the story of Stephen where we get to hear the awesome message that he preached. And how he just, I mean, had the Jews all fired up and angry. And then they went and stoned him with him looking up into heaven praying and seeing Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. That's actually a pretty glorious story right there. But with James, he got killed. Herod killed him. And not only did Herod kill him, everybody was happy because of it. The Jews were so happy, Herod's like, hey, I just scored a whole bunch of points. Herod moved up the poles because he killed James, the brother of John, and decided to go after Peter. How is that a happy story? That's not a happy story, folks. That's a sad story. But, how many of you would like to be James on Judgment Day? You think Jesus didn't notice that? Listen, Stephen, we've been talking about him and his death for 2,000 years. Nobody's been talking about James' death. And not only that, I mean, at least he got mentioned. At least we know a little bit about him in the Bible. But you know what? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. It names all these great people of faith. All people who went through difficult times and have great stories. But then it says, And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, of Jephthah, and of David, and of Samuel, and of the prophets. Well, shouldn't those guys get a story too? I mean, they went through a lot too, but at least theirs is in the Old Testament, right? They at least have that. But look at this. Who, um, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the, uh, aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, let me ask you, who were those people? Who were they? We don't know. Those people didn't even get a story. But the Bible doesn't say they were just killed. They were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. Y'all see that? They could have gotten out of the fellowship of His sufferings. And this was before Christ. These people, they could have exempted themselves from the fellowship of His sufferings, not so they could have a resurrection, but so they might have a better resurrection. Y'all get that? You see, once again, this is not about salvation. This is about having a better resurrection. I want Liberty Baptist Church to be a place of people who are going to have a good resurrection. Alright? Not a lame resurrection. Okay? I mean, I want it to be a better one. I want a good resurrection. These people, they were not going to, they, they wanted the better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. Where their, where's their victory story? It's not in the Bible. You know, it hasn't happened yet. It says in verse 37, they were stoned. Who? They were sawn asunder. I've heard from history Isaiah was sawed in half. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. I don't know if that's talking about him. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. 
They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So right here again, we just have more examples of people who chose the suffering. They chose it. They didn't have to do it. They chose it. They could have walked away from it, but they accepted it. Why? Because they were people of faith. They wanted a better resurrection. They knew they were going to stand before God one day and they didn't want to be ashamed when they stood before Him. And folks, these are the kind of people I want to pastor. These are the kind of people that I want to be. These are the kind of people that I want to fellowship with. I am done with just lame, limp-wristed, spineless ninnies that are out there calling themselves Baptists thinking they're taking a strong political stand because them, with thousands and millions of others, they put on their Facebook profile page, I am pro-life. Oh, congratulations. You know what? I'm not only am I pro-life, I'm anti-pro-choice. Alright? I like to see what I mean. They won't even say that. You know, I'm just pro-life. You know, but I respect your opinion too. You, no, I don't. I don't respect the other side. And I'm not respectful to the other side. The other side's wrong. The other side's wicked. They think they're so bold when everybody's doing that, when millions of people are doing that. And that's like their big political stand. You know, they'll go do their march on Washington. They do their lame capital connection where they go and they kiss the rear of politicians. Where Baptist preachers go and they give a Bible to Dick Durbin and they go back and they tell the people in their church, I, Dave, you know, Dick Durbin's a saved man. You know, I know he's wrong on a lot of things politically, but I believe that man's a Christian when he's one of the most wicked men that we have in Congress today. Our Senator, Dick Durbin, the guy's a pile of garbage. Dick Durbin. Alright? I mean, just wicked is all get out. And yet, these preachers go and shake their hands. You know, thank you so much for allowing us the honor of being in your presence. Yeah, nice John the Baptist treatment you all got going there. Pansies. They wouldn't let them into the Capitol if they acted like Christians. If they acted like a Baptist. If they acted like John the Baptist. If they acted like Jesus. They wouldn't let them there. But they're not gonna, they're not gonna do that. But just a few things I wanna point out. I wanna show you in this message that if if you do, if you choose to participate in the fellowship of his sufferings, there's going to be some things that you're going to feel. There's going to be some things that come up, some questions, things that come up in your mind that we see in the Bible. I want to show you because you're going to feel some of this stuff. And it's, it's sad. It makes me sick to just see the way Baptists are cowering today. I mean, just cowering to the filth of this world. And the scum of this earth. I mean, they're just they're just cowering to death. And you know, and so you, some of you have seen, you heard about this. I don't I don't want to name this guy because I don't want to give him any more publicity. We'll call him Mr. Pumpkin, all right? Because a pumpkin's the biggest fruit on earth, all right? It's this fruit pansexual, which I'm not even sure what that is, all right? Just freak show. You know, makes a video about me and our our, our YouTube channel because. Of the Make America Straight Again conference video. Got the video taken down, been getting all kinds of perverted hate comments and everything. And folks, that video was so tame, it was so nice, it was nothing compared to the preaching I've heard all my life about the queers. I mean, nothing, I mean, not even close. That was so tame. I mean, it had Pastor Boyle on there. And I said, I mean, Pastor Boyle, the nicest, 
most easygoing guy in the world. I mean, and these guys, they just hate him, saying perverted junk about that. And you know, and it gets, it goes all over the place and everybody's watching it. And you know what just makes me sick about that? Of fruit like that guy, of pansexual, a guy that doesn't know if he's a male or a female or he doesn't even know what he's into, a guy like him is, guys like him are paralyzing the old IFB. And you know what? Here's why. Alright, I'm gonna tell you why guys like him are paralyzing the old IFB. He hates people like me because he just can't stand it. He can't stand it that I'm not intimidated by guys like him. I'm not scared of them. They just can't stand it. And they don't know what to do because they have succeeded in paralyzing most Baptists. A fruit like that is paralyzing most Baptists. And he, he, guys like him are the ones who paralyze the trendies because they want to be accepted by the world. They want to be accepted by the fruits and the nuts and the weirdos and the queers. They, they want all that. They want them in their church. Alright? Hey, and just so you know, Mr. Pumpkin, the trendies, they still want to change those, the queers that come into their church. They think they can reform them. They think they can get them out of that lifestyle. Alright? I do agree with him that these people can't be changed. Alright? I, I agree with that. They're stuck like that and they're going to live their miserable existence until they split hell wide open. Alright? That's just, that's their end and there's nothing they can do about it. They're going to try to take as many people down with them. Alright? But, you know, Mr. Pastor Trendy is scared of guys like him. The old IFB, they're not scared of the fruits. Alright? They're not scared of some sick, long-haired, just, you know, soy boy fruitcake like that. But I'll tell you who they're scared of. They're scared of that little grandma in the church that's got a queer grandson that if he starts preaching hard against the homos, she's going to quit giving her money in the church. You know, that deacon that's in his church that's very influential, if that pastor gets up there and he starts ripping on the homos when he's got a grandson or a son or a daughter, that guy is going to leave the church. And the older IFB pastors are terrified by those guys. That's what they're scared of. They're scared to death of bad publicity because they know the people in their church are as carnal as all get out. They know it. They know the people... Listen, folks, the carnality in church today is out of control. They know it. These churches are full... I mean, all people talk about most churches today, sports, their fantasy football league, you know, that the latest TV show that they're watching, Fox News. Listen, anytime I get around a bunch of old IV preachers, it's politics. They, all, they just want to talk about politics. You know, it, it absolutely makes me sick. You never hear them talking about doctrine. They don't know anything about the Bible. They don't care. Okay? You talk about the things that are on your heart. And Fox News is what's on their heart. Football is what's on their heart. That's what's on these guys' hearts. And the people in their church are so stinking carnal. And if they were to get some persecution, alright, folks, and what we get is not persecution, alright? We have not resisted unto blood. Nobody's touched us. Nobody's laid a finger. All right, yeah, Brother Mark, he's got the world record in our church now for most thumbs down on a sermon, all right? Because he was lucky enough to have the latest sermon that was on there. But, you know, that's nothing, all right? Did anybody throw rocks after you after you preached a sermon? Yeah, yeah exactly. It didn't reach him, okay? We've not dealt with anything. But think about that. These same old I of B. Baptists, these spineless cowards, they get up and they read the story of Stephen and how he did. He took the stoning. You know what he could have said? He could have said to the Jews, hey, Jews, 
I love you. You're the chosen people. I just want to be a blessing to you. I, you know, thank you for giving us the Messiah. Thank you for giving us the Word of God. He could have done that too. And they wouldn't have stoned him if he'd have done that. They, you know, these same guys that get up and read that story, that's exactly what they do to the Jews. That, that same crowd, they're the ones that are scared to death of homos. I mean, what are they going to do to you? You know, give you, put, you know, AIDS in your food or something? I mean, I don't, I don't you know, they're scared of the publicity. Right? It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and listen, I've always been disgusted with queers, alright? That's not a new thing. I've hated them my whole life. They make me sick. They always have. I'm not really preaching against them. People like that have always been around, alright? Just read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. They've always been around. But here's what was making me sick when I was watching that video. When that clown was on there, you know, he kept, he started bringing up stuff about, oh, God hates multiple, you know, people wearing mixed fabrics too. You know, do you know that, first off, God never said somebody's supposed to be put to death for wearing mixed fabrics. That is not in the Bible anywhere. You know, he's against eating shellfish too. God never said anybody would be put to death for eating shellfish. God did give them certain ceremonial things that God wanted them to observe as a special people. And you know those were temporary that finished at the cross. But even back then, nobody was supposed to be put to death for that. But where did He get that? Okay, Where did a guy like him get that? I'll tell you where he got that from. He got it from liberal, lame, pathetic, dispensational, rucktarded preachers is where he got it from. They're the ones that are spreading all that junk because they're scared to preach the truth. They see what Leviticus 20.13 says. Well, it was a different dispensation. Because they're scared to get up in their church and to say what God says needs to be done to those monsters. That they need to be stoned. That's what they're afraid to say that. So they come up with these lame arguments and clowns like him are hearing that and repeating arguments that are coming from preachers. Lame, pathetic preachers. And so, you know... I I don't have any new disgust for homos today than I did before. But let me tell you, I've I've got a new level of disgust for just lame, pathetic preachers. They're the ones that make me sick. What do I expect from someone that's been given over to a reprobate mind? I expect them to do sick, disgusting things. I expect them to say sick, disgusting things. But what do I expect from someone who is saved, someone who... who you know, says they're a man of God preaching the Word of God, I expect them to do those very things. And you know what? When an attack comes, I expect them to stick by my side and encourage me. But what do these clowns do? Okay, what, you know, where are all the missionaries in all these other countries where Pastor Anderson's getting banned from? How come they're still there? If Pastor Anderson's getting banned because he preaches that homos ought to be put to death, why are these guys still there? Are they holding out on their people? You know, the Apostle Paul, he didn't withhold anything from the people that he preached to. And it got him in trouble, didn't it? You know, I hear preachers say all the time, everywhere the Apostle Paul went, one of two things happened. There was either a riot or a revival. Well, you know, I know somebody else that's kind of like that too, everywhere he goes. Or everywhere he tries to go. You know, there's either a riot or a revival. You're usually a riot. And what do they do? They condemn him. Why is that? There's a reason for that. Okay? There's a reason that people are doing that, and it's because they refuse to participate in the fellowship of his sufferings. All the Baptists that I heard growing up, 
preaching death to perverts. These guys, they're quiet about it now. They won't say anything about it. They won't stick up for the guys that they taught that very thing to. They won't stick up for them. The guys who taught me that, they're not going to publicly stick their neck out for me. They're not going to say to me, just because, you know why? Because I'm on a, a different political party. Oh, you suppose I don't agree with everything you said. Okay, fine. You don't agree with post-trib? You don't agree with what I preach about replacement theology? But I know you agree. I know these guys agree with what I preach about the homos. I know they, I know they agree with that. I absolutely know it. I've been there. I heard it my entire life. I want these guys to get up and either admit that they have backed down and they have changed on that doctrine. Though we ain't changing crowd. I want to hear them say, we changed. We don't think we ought to put them to death anymore. I want to hear them get up and admit it if that's what they're going to do. Or if they haven't changed, I want them to start sticking up for those who are doing the right thing. You know, they do it for Paul Chapel if that man would ever take a stand for anything controversial. They do it for Jack Treber if he wasn't too busy covering up for perverts in his church. They would do it for guys like him. They'd do it for Keith Gomez if he wasn't too busy bringing in rucktards, preaching heresy in the church. They'd do it for guys like him. I know he preached this kind of thing. I've been there when he's called out guys. I watched him one time in the middle of a service call a kid out because he was heard talking to another guy. One of the preachers got up there and was ripping on sodomites. He was ripping on sodomites, talking about how wicked sodomites are. And one of Brother Gomez's staff members heard this boy after the service talking to his friends saying, you know, when he was talking about the homos like that, we should have stood up and said something. One of Gomez's staff members heard him say that, told Gomez, Gomez waited until the service got started back up. Okay, and folks, there's hundreds of witnesses for this, all right? I wouldn't tell a story there wasn't hundreds of witnesses to. I don't have the video proof and I wish I did. But... There are hundreds of witnesses. I listened to his current assistant pastor even criticize him for this at one time. Gomez sees this. His assistant's in trouble. But (laughs) I did. I was there when he did it. And this boy, he he calls him up. He's like, apparently while the man of God was preaching, preaching against sodomites, there were some boys talking talking, saying they should have stood up to the man of God. Who was that? He calls the staff member. He's like, point those boys out to me. They point the boys out in the crowd. He makes them stand up. He's like, come on up here. Come on up here. He makes them go up to the front and he rips on these guys. He asks one, he's like, are you a sodomite boy? I mean, you just let him have it right there in front of the whole place. It was like, and it was like, awkward. you know, girls are crying. It was like a super awkward thing. Uh, and just because a boy said that they should have rebuked the pastor for preaching against sodomites. Okay? Now, what's the difference between that and what we do all the time? It's not on YouTube. It's not on YouTube because these guys are bold and brave when they're behind closed doors and surrounded by their buddies, but they're cowards in public. They are cowards outside their churches. They would never do anything like that in front of a camera. They would never say anything like that in front of a camera if they thought there was a chance it would get out there. Folks, I have heard... So many things like that. I could tell so many stories of things like that. I mean, they, they call, they've called them faggots for years from the pulpit. We're not, we didn't start that. I heard that my whole life. And yet, they, they do. When we get in trouble for it, what do they do? I don't know those guys. You know, they're post-trip. You know, 
So what? So you're going to let us now be the crowd that preaches against homos? Really? You're going to let us claim that? You're, we have to care. I mean, hey, listen, I'll gladly carry the banner for that. But really, I, we have to do it by ourselves? You know, that's, that's pretty sad. That's pretty ridiculous. I'm calling these guys out and they're cowards. They are spineless, worthless cowards. And you know what? The Bible said that judgment must begin at the house of God. They're going to get it. They are going to regret exempting themselves from the fellowship of His sufferings. But listen, I need to get back to the sermon. Alright? If you're going to choose to suffer, one thing you can, I promise you're going to feel this, is sometimes you're going to feel regret. You're going to wish you hadn't done it. It says in Luke chapter 7, verse 19, John, greatest man born of women, and John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, Art thou he that should come or look we for another? This is when he's sitting in prison. Okay? When was the last time a Baptist preacher you know went to jail? Alright, when? I don't think it's happened in America in hundreds of years. It happens in other countries rarely. But folks... This is, this is how it is for the Bible characters that they lift up. But yet, a Baptist preacher goes to jail today, they all hide from him. They all want to distance themselves, even if it's for the right thing. But folks, when John was in prison, he started wondering, hey, am I doing the right thing? This isn't how I thought things were going to work out. And John, he, even he was second-guessing himself. Okay? And you know, but here's the thing you've got to understand about choosing the fellowship of his sufferings. All you've got to do Think of it like a roller coaster. Okay? All you got to do to survive a roller coaster is just get in the roller coaster. Okay? Any one of you in here, you have the physical capability and strength to get in a roller coaster. Alright? And because once you get in and that thing starts, there's no getting out of it. Okay? We've got those pictures at our house of us on a roller coaster. I forgot what it's called in uh, Silver Dollar City. And I told, you know, I told the kids to get on it. You couldn't see it the way that place is laid out. You couldn't see how big this roller coaster was. And the girls, Chloe and Allie, they were big enough to ride on it. And I, I said, let's go get on it. I'm always trying to get them to go on scary rides. And so they saw they were big enough, so they figured it was probably fine. Well, when you get in that roller coaster, you can't see what it's going to do. It takes, you, it takes you out a little ways, and then the whole thing shifts over to the side. And by the time it shifts over to the side, you can see where you're going. It's too late. The ride started. And I'll never forget it. It was one of the funniest things ever. Chloe is, is sitting in there and all of a sudden the thing shifts over and it just kind of sits for a minute and she was just like, it goes that high? <laughs> and I was just like, yep, stealing out. And she's just like, that was, that was, that's kind of her thing she does. She, so she, you, she, immediately she's like, I wish I hadn't done this. But you know what? It was too late. And folks, that roller coaster, it just takes off like a rocket. And we've got a picture of it, and she looks terrified. Allie, I mean, I mean, both of them were terrified. It was the funniest thing. But you know, that's all you've got to do, because once you get in it, you're going to do the loops, you're going to do the drops, you're going to do the twists and turns. Once you get in it, there's no getting out of it. And you know what? Once you choose, you know, just you just got to make that choice. Say, I'm going to do it. And you you might think I can't do all the loops and the twists and turns. I can't go through all these things. Yes, you can. It's not as bad as you think. Okay? I, there was a time when I was scared to death of some big fat fruit getting up and making a nasty video about me that gets a whole, that goes viral and gets a whole bunch of views. There was a time I was scared of that. 
you know what? I didn't even care about it this week. I heard about it. People were telling me about it. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go have fun. I'm going kayaking in the Grand Canyon. I'll watch it later. I was like, what a sick, nasty, you know, gross piece of filth, you know? This guy's disgusting. It's amazing how these people just cannot talk without being vile. All they're doing is proving our point. We say they're disgusting and they're vile. You know, like Jeff Owens, they're vile, they're reprobate, and they prove it every day. All right? Now, Jeff Owens backed off on that, but I'm here today. Jeff Owens was right. You know, when he said we need to have a Hunter Homo week and all that kind of stuff that everybody threw a fit about that he backed down on. You know, that I, I thought that was good preaching right there, but you're going to have regrets. You know, there's going to come a point when all of a sudden you're like, uh oh, what have I gotten myself into? You're going to feel that way. That's fine. John felt that way, but you know what? It didn't matter. John did the right thing. John had already done the right thing. John ended up going and getting his head cut off. Okay? It, that wasn't pleasant. That wasn't fun. But guess what? John got his head cut off. John was a martyr. John did the right thing. He probably, you know, probably wasn't a fun thing for it. But you know what? I guarantee you he's glad he did it today. And you know what? My girls are glad they went on that roller coaster. And you know what? Next year, they went and they did it again. But if they'd have seen that roller coaster first, they'd have never got on it. I never would have got them on if they'd have seen it first. But they, you know, I tricked them into it. But uh, you know, they, you know, they were glad they did it. And if we knew everything that was down the road, we might, we probably would choose not to do some things. But we don't need to know what's down the road. We just need to do the right thing every day. And you know what? We'll be fine. We'll feel some regret sometimes, but God will get us through it. And so, you know, you know, I guarantee you, Moses question his own sanity. Remember, Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. He chose not to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Do you think he did not regret that decision a couple times? After he ended up killing that man thinking he was going to deliver the people that way and it didn't work? I should have just kept doing what I was doing. I could have been rich. Everything could have been mine. You think he probably didn't regret it a few times when he was out there in the wilderness for four years in the desert doing nothing? Do you think he probably didn't regret it many times when he's leading the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years? Do you not think there were times where he was just like, you know what? It would have been a lot easier in Egypt. But you know what? He chose it. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. I believe he was already saved before he made that choice. He chose it. He knew what was coming. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. Eat that one, dispensationalist. Greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. That's what, that's what Moses did. Moses chose it. It's always a choice. You can always get out of persecution. If our church gets persecuted, if we ever get real persecution, any one of you, any one of you could not only exempt yourself from it, but folks, you could become a hero in the process. Any one of you in here right now, I'm just going to tell you about a wonderful opportunity for you out there. All right? Any one of you, you want to get some instant popularity, all you've got to do is start a YouTube channel and say, I survived the Liberty Baptist cult. <laughs> I went to Liberty Baptist Church. You know, some of you in here, you could say, I was there when Pastor Tommy was pre trip. He was great then. He was so normal and mild-mannered. And then he went post-trip. He started hanging out with Pastor Anderson. He joined the new IFB cult and he just went crazy. The man was just a narcissist. He was out of control. He was unstable. 
you know. And you know, we got sucked in for a while through the brainwashing that he used. But you know, thankfully, you know, we watched Mr. Pumpkin on the internet, and as this guy was, you know, cursing and swearing and saying all these perverted things, we were enlightened, and we got out of that mess. And now we're going to go let our kids get a sex change. You would be a hero if you did that. Instant notoriety. Notoriety. You would get that if you would do that. You could get out of it just like that. But you know what? I'm going to here today to tell you, you'll be glad if you choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Because let me tell you something about animals, alright? Animals get distracted real easy, okay? You know, you get a pack of wild dogs, they're easily distracted. You know, they feed on a carcass for a while, but then they move on to something else, okay? If you want to participate in them feeding on me or whatever, that's fine, but pretty soon they're going to move on to something else and they're going to forget you. Alright? They'll use you for that little time. Alright, the news media uses people when they need them for a little bit, but then, just like a pack of wild, sick dogs, they move on to something else. Okay? You ever want to know how a, you know, a mob of homos are going to act? Just go watch a pack of wild dogs. Because the Bible calls them dogs. And that, there's many reasons. I can preach a whole message just on why they are dogs. And you can learn a lot about the queers just from watching dogs. It'll be, it'll be very enlightening. But another thing that's going to go through your mind if you choose to suffer affliction, you're going to wonder sometimes if you're the bad guy. Look at what it says in Second Peter or First Peter, chapter three and verse fourteen. You're going to you're going to sometimes think I might be, you know, am I the bad guy? You ask my wife when I was like changing my mind on end time, like I kept at, I, I prayed so many times, Lord, am I the bad guy? Lord. You know, I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff about these guys that are post-trib, but I, I can't unsee what I'm seeing in the Bible. Am I bad? Am I losing my mind? I question that many times. You know, sometimes still do. All right? But you know, you, you wonder. But it says in First Peter three seventeen, for it is better if the will of God be, so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, but which, um, but which also He went and preached unto the spirits in prison. I don't think that was the passage that I wanted. Um, yeah, verse, verse 14. I'm sorry. Verse 14. It says, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. What does that mean? Why do you say be not afraid of the terror? Because it looks scary. It looks scary. But don't let it, don't let it scare you. Don't be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they might be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Okay? They say it's a bad conversation. God says it's a good conversation. You know, the Baptists, they will glad, the old IFB will gladly join up with the news media and with the homos and talk about how bad Pastor Anderson is and be glad that he's getting banned from all these countries. They will gladly do that. They will gladly speak of him as an evildoer. They're going to continue to say he's bringing reproach on the name of Christ. But the truth is, the Bible says something completely different on that. He's the one with the good testimony. They're bringing reproach to the name of Christ. Why in the world does such a small group of us seem like such weirdos when it comes to preaching on homos? It's because the Baptists have backed down. 
They've backed down and we, because they're afraid. They were afraid of their terror. They saw when some of the other guys in the past, when things got big in the internet, when videos would go viral, they saw the way all the other pastors backed off and wouldn't stick up for these guys. They saw that. They watched, they, they watched that whole thing. And as a result of it, you know, a lot of people, whenever they were faced, they knew nobody was going to back them up. They knew. One thing you can count on with the old IFB is that they're going to cower when there's a fight. That's just who, that's who they are. That's who they've become. Everything's political with them. And they're always, I mean, they circle the wagons regularly for perverts. I mean, you think of the way they circle the wagons for Cameron Giovanelli. A man who is a pervert. They circled the wagons for him. Dennis Coral did a write-up in the Revival Fires for Matt Gerald, a man who went out and raped and sodomized a woman, was probably going to try to kill her. She got away. He got caught. Went and hung himself in a jail. Dennis Coral did a write-up and graduated to glory for him. That's the kind of people that they circle the wagons for and praise the guys that are in their club. But ones who are actually being persecuted for righteousness... You, do you see him standing up for them? No. But you know, the sword of the Lord, they'll write up, they'll do an article about some Methodist that wouldn't perform a gay wedding that was on Fox News. But are they going to talk about a Baptist pastor who's not allowed to preach in a country just because he's against homos and thinks they ought to be put to death like the Bible says? Absolutely not. You know why? Because they're not going to put their two cents in that. You know why? Because they don't want to fellowship with the sufferings. Well, you know, if it's one of our guys, but we don't have to join up with Pastor Anderson. But here, it's not his fight. This fight is for the Word of God. And the world and the news media, they all think that there's just a handful of churches that believe this. And it's just not true. It is not true. The vast majority of independent fundamental Baptists, with the exception of your dispensational rucktards, think that it's biblical and it would be right and it would be godly if just like murders are sometimes executed if the perverts were executed too. Many people believe that. It's still practiced in many parts of the world. It's been practiced in our own country. And yet, people Baptists today who act like their old paths are afraid to say anything about it. It is a shame. They are a shame. They are a shame. So, you know, we need... You're sometimes going to wonder if you're the bad guy. That's why we need to examine ourselves. You know, Second Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that your own selves are that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray that pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. All right. Listen, doing the right thing, sometimes they're going to make you out to be the reprobate. It's funny, they're mad because, you know, I believe homos ought to be put to death, yet they go on my channel telling me they hope I die. You know, you're a terrible person for thinking homos ought to be put to death. I hope you die. Okay, I guess we're both terrible people then. You know, it's just, it's amazing how two faced these people are. But, but you know, you're going to feel like that, but you just got to, you got to rest in the Word of God. We might feel like it. They might treat us that way. But you know what it says? For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. I'm telling the truth. I'm using the Bible to prove my point on these things. I'm following the Word of God. So, you know what? I've examined. I'm not the bad guy. All right? I'm the good guy.
But if you choose to suffer, just mark it down. You're not going to be popular. And that's what they want in the old IFB. That's what the trendies desperately want. But look what it says in Isaiah 53. This is about Jesus Christ. Listen to this. You know, those of us that aren't popular, those of us who are despised by the world and hated by the world, they keep saying we're bringing reproach on the name of Christ. But let's take a look at how the world feels about Christ. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and hath carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Why was he despised? Why would they hide their faces? I'll tell you why. It's the same reason they're hiding their faces from me right now. It's just, and I'm telling you, they're hiding their faces. All of a sudden now on Facebook, I'm getting all these suggested friends. And guess who it is? It's all my old IFB buddies who I've never had them in my suggested friends before. All my old IFB, I'm, all, I'm starting to see all of them now on this thing as recommended. Why is it? I'll tell you why. Because they hear what's going on and they're looking it up. They're looking me up on Facebook. They're watching. They're, you know, they're listening to these sermons. They're paying attention to what's going on. You know why? Because they're scared to death this may have to happen to them one of these days. They're sitting there thinking, you know, I probably should take a stand on this too. I believe this too. But, you know, I don't want to be associated with that crowd. This, just be associated with the Bible. You just, pre you know, why can't they just preach the word? But they're watching, but, you know, they're hiding their faces. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I didn't know anything was going on. Yeah, they do. They know what's going on. They know that Pastor Anderson just got banned from country number 32. They know that. They see what's going on, but you know what? They're hiding their faces because they don't want to participate in it. They don't want to fellowship with the sufferings. And suffering is not an attractive quality for the carnal man. That's why they, you know, that's why they hide their faces. Okay? Nobody wants to suffer. Okay? Why do you think I was so scared when I was at Marble Canyon? I was afraid of falling in. Okay? And I was telling them I was there, I'm not afraid of falling. It's just a sudden stop at the bottom that I'm afraid of. It probably hurts. And I don't want that to happen to me. I, I don't like pain. I do everything I can to avoid pain. If I have a headache, I'm such a wimp, I take an Advil. So the pain will go away. Because I don't like pain. You know, the carnal man hates pain. They don't like, it doesn't like suffering. And you know what, Pastor Trendy, the reason he looks like the world, the reason his music is like the world, is because he is of the world. He is worldly. He is giving into the flesh. He's given the flesh what he wants. And you know what? The flesh never wants suffering. Okay? I don't ask you all to come up and twist my arm and, you know, you know I, I, don't, I don't like pain. Okay? Let's see how hard you can hit me in the stomach. See how bad you can make it hurt. I'm not going to do that after church. I don't like pain. Alright? I'm going to avoid it as much as I can. We naturally try to avoid pain and we naturally try to get around persecution. But folks, sometimes you just got to take a stand. It's easy if you see that person out there getting mugged in the city to be like a lot of people and just pretend you didn't see it. Because you don't want to participate. You don't want to have to get involved. You don't want to take a chance of getting hurt. And there are people today, they're seeing what's going on 
in our church. They're seeing what's going on in other churches. And you know what they're doing? They're hiding their faces from it. They're watching online quietly. But you know what? If they want to know what's going on, all they got to do is give me a call. They know my phone number. All they got to do is send me a text. But they're not going to do that because they're scared to death that I might challenge them to help me prove that there's not just 15 or 20 churches that believe this way, that there's hundreds and hundreds of churches that believe this way, that there are hundreds of missionaries all over this world, all over Europe, that believe this way. And you know what? If all of us would start preaching it, the countries wouldn't be able to ban everybody. It would be too much work. You know? they And the truth is, why aren't they banning the Muslims? From these, the Muslims believe they ought to be put to death. Why aren't they banning them? Because there's just too many of them. There'd be too big of an outcry. They can't do it. But you know what? They've succeeded in making it look like there's only a fringe few Baptists that believe this way. And folks, that's not the case. That is not the case. There are hundreds, probably thousands, that believe exactly the way they do. They've told it to me. I've heard, they've said it to my face. I've heard them preach it for years from the pulpit. But they won't dare stand with those who are actually taking a public stand because they're cowards. They want to exempt themselves from the sufferings of Christ and they're going to regret it on Judgment Day. They are not going to have a better resurrection. They're going to be ashamed at the coming of Christ. And you know what? I'm ashamed of them right now. I'm ashamed of them. John 15, verse 18 says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember that the world... The, the word that I sent to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. I got a ton of negative feedback a while back when I put that message of Pastor Major preaching against Josh Tice. Pastor out in Las Vegas, most wicked city probably in the United States of America. Maybe next to Washington, D.C. I mean, wicked, wicked city. The guy is as queer and as effeminate as all get out. And you know what? One, I mean... I had so many people defending him. One guy, his comment he left is, Las Vegas loves Josh Tice. I responded, I'll bet they do. <laughs> he fits right in. He's one of you. Right? And he is. He is one of them. Of course they're going to love him. But you know what? If he was of Christ, that city would hate him. They wouldn't want to have anything to do with him. But you know what? The suffering Savior is one of the things people hate the most about Christ. The suffering Savior. We see Christ suffering. He was a man of sorrow, acquainted with griefs, despised and rejected of men. Those who follow Him have been persecuted throughout history, through most of the world. And yet people have said, I don't want that. And you know what? Once again, you don't have to suffer to go to heaven. You don't have to suffer to be saved. But you know what? If you choose to exempt yourself from that, and you can, you're not going to have a better resurrection. You're not going to have the rewards. You're not going to get to know Him better. But if you do, I promise you're going to be glad you did. Your story on this earth, it might end terrible. It might end with you dead. Your story might not ever get told, but you're going to have a better resurrection. I believe it will be told in the next life. It'll be told, that story will be told in heaven. It will be told on Judgment Day when you stand before God, you better believe He knows what's going on and what you're doing. But suffering, it's a reminder. The suffering of Christ is a reminder of how bad our sin is. Because we know every bit of suffering Jesus did was for us. 
And people don't like looking at that because it reminds them of how bad their sin is. And this, His suffering is a reminder of what we have been called to do as believers. We, his suffering is a reminder of what we should be dealing with. That, that's what it is. And people don't like that. You know, my, my wife, she mentioned a picture that she saw. It was a man mowing his grass and it said something along the lines of adult peer pressure. You know, have you ever seen that? Your grass is getting bad, but you're like, ah, oh, no big deal. But then your neighbor's getting his all nice. And it's like, I probably better mow mine. All right? Who's ever been there? All right? We've all been there. All the time. It makes us uncomfortable seeing somebody do something that we know we should be doing. You know, it makes us feel better when our neighbor's grass is a jungle. You know? I remember when we lived in Cherry. You know, we were like the only house on our street that didn't have our house decorated with Christmas lights. We weren't even thinking about. We drove, were driving home one night, and like our whole street lit up except this one blackout spot. You know, our house. We're like, oh man, we're like the Scrooges of town. You know, what we did. We went and put up some Christmas lights. <laughs> we all, the, the peer pressure got to us, and you know what? It makes carnal Christians uncomfortable when they see people suffering for the cause of Christ. You know why? It's peer pressure. It reminds them of what they should be doing. It, it, it makes the old eye of B that's just fallen asleep. It makes them uncomfortable to see Pastor Anderson getting banned from countries for preaching the way he does because they remember when they used to preach that way. Like, you know, I probably should be back to doing that. But we started putting our sermons online. You know, I can't take a chance of that. You know, we've got all these bills to pay. You know, I, I can't afford to lose these people in the church. And so, you know what, instead of them just getting right with God and growing a spine again, what do they do? They just they hide from them. Most of them are scared to even say anything. Most of them aren't going to say anything about it. I'm calling out the old IFB right now, and I guarantee a bunch of them are going to hear this message. Do you think they're going to give me a call or a text of encouragement? Do you think they're going to get up and say anything about it? You know what, they're going to pretend they didn't hear this. That's what they're going to do. They're going to pretend that they didn't hear me calling them out for being a coward because they don't want to be provoked to finally growing a backbone and doing something about it. But you know what? I know that they know what's going on. I know that they hear what's going on. I see them for what they are. And they are cowards. The homos have always made me sick. The homos have always disgusted me. But I am disgusted by spineless Christians. And I am disappointed in men who are claimed to be men of God and have exempted themselves from the fellowship of His sufferings. They will regret it. Carnal Christians hate seeing godly Christians suffer. It's, it's, it's their reminder. It, it reminds them too much of what they see Christ doing. You know, I wonder how many people were standing there saw, that saw Stephen get stoned. Maybe it provoked them. But I imagine there was probably some that were like, you know what? I don't know if I want to be a preacher now. And they were still saved. But you know what? They never did anything for God because they let that intimidate them. I promise when those people stand before God and they see the reward Stephen gets compared to theirs, they're going to wish, man, I wish I'd have gotten stoned. I wish I would have done what Stephen did. And you know what? The old IFB, if they just if they want to keep on cowering in a corner, alright? If they want to continue, they always talk about taking a stand, but you know what? They're in a fetal position right now. And if they want to keep that up, you know what? Fine. We'll do it. I mean, I'm not in this to hog all the blessings or anything like that. But, you know, that that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing one way or the other. But I sure would like to see these people just man up, step up, and just do something for God. My prayer for the IFB movement, old IFB movement, is movement. 
That's my prayer. Movement. Do something for Pete's sake. You know, just like just like a 30-year-old guy at noon wearing his pajamas playing video games makes me sick. You know, taking a nap in the middle of the day when he ought to be going out and getting a job. Seeing these guys in their palaces just doing nothing, not taking a stand, they make me sick. They look like these millennials in their pajamas is what they look like. And it's time to grow a back, backbone. Don't be afraid of Mr. Pumpkin. Folks, the guy's got like, well, I mean, almost 200,000 subscribers. Like, what was it, 100,000? Like 100,000 people saw that, telling everybody to come after my channel. He can't moderate all the comments. Guess what? I did. All right? It wasn't that hard. Okay? Most of the people leaving, it was the same people over and over again. Because you know what? He's not as powerful as he looks. He's not. He's a pansexual. You know, he doesn't know what he, and, and they're, they're, they're scared of people like that. What a joke. What, what a joke. And I'm thankful to have friends that uh, aren't cowards. And you know what? In the circles I run with, I mean, you know, you have to go through a lot to feel like you're actually dealing with anything. Because they actually do deal with persecution on a regular basis because they're doing the right thing. And you know what? I'm not going to hide from it. I'm not going to hide my face from an act like I didn't see it. Uh, I'm fine with participating in it because it's not about them. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about His Word. Somebody's got to do it. And I say, let's, let's keep doing it. So, that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, we thank You for allowing us to participate in Your sufferings, Lord. We thank You that we would be counted worthy, Lord, just of uh, you know taking some heat in Your name. Just having some negative... Uh, things thrown at us, Lord. It's it's no big deal, but Lord, it's it's something. Uh, I'm thankful that we uh, you've considered us worthy of that, Lord. I pray that this message will be a challenge to those who are out there in the fetal position, uh, just cowering in a corner, Lord. I pray you'll just wake them up, wake up the old IFB, help them to get involved, help them to stop standing around, Lord. If they get through us, they're going to go to them next. You know, these people are implacable. They can never, they'll, they're, ne they're never going to be satisfied until they're in the pulpits and uh, allowed all the privileges of normal people. And I just pray that you'll uh, help them to realize that and uh, take a stand, Lord, for their sakes. Not for our sakes, not for my sake. Lord, I, I want them to get involved for their sakes because I do care about them. I want them to have a better resurrection. I pray they'll do it. In your name we pray. Amen.